They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. And Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. getting this one recorded because no finals to excuse us now yeah this one was just uh poor time management on our part we have seen though some movies or i've seen a couple of movies we went to avatar 2 last week elliot briefly but what did you think of avatar 2 this is one of the most boring movies (laughs) i've ever seen (laughs) yeah we both uh did not enjoy it but we also both did enjoy avatar 1 so uh, I would say if you're one of the people who like really liked Avatar the first one, especially if you liked it for the special effects, for the exotic flora and fauna, then you'll probably be all in on this one. Yeah. It's just I didn't like any of that stuff and I definitely didn't like it in this one because it is absolutely the main focus of this movie. Yeah. So, uh, we didn't love Avatar 2, so it will not be showing up next week when we do our favorite movies of the year. Um, a couple of movies that I've seen, though, that will, is I saw Babylon yesterday, which is why this episode is delayed. It's because Babylon is a lengthy film, and so I was not home. Elliot did not see Babylon because he didn't think he would like it, and after seeing it, I also don't think he would like it, but I really liked it. And I saw Decision to Leave, which was super dope. There you go. I'll probably see Decision to Leave at some point. I might not see it in theaters, though. So anyway, that's enough about film. We'll talk more about movies we've seen this year next week when we do our year-end recap sort of episode. (laughs) For now, uh... When last we left you, we were singing the Muppets theme song. And the cleverest among you may have noticed that that was actually a really subtle Easter egg, a hint as to what was to come. Because now we're talking about a Muppet Christmas Carol, as we foreshadowed intentionally last week. Yeah. So let's just, full, full disclosure, I, on a whim, watched the Muppet Christmas Carol on Monday because I had had multiple people kind of recommend it to me. And so when I came home and was telling Elliot about movies I had seen in the interim, since I had last seen him, he also had seen... Why did you watch Muppet Christmas Carol? Uh, just because I had heard things about it on the <laughs> internet. <laughs> and I also, I really like the Muppets. Yeah, me, me as well. So we both coincidentally ended up watching the same movie so we were like oh we want to do do a christmas movie uh this week anyway because christmas a wildly popular holiday celebrated by many a person is this sunday (laughs) so we decided to do the muppet christmas carol because we both saw it we liked it we had some thoughts we wanted to talk about it that's (laughs) and that's what this episode is 
That is the point of this movie. Yep. So after doing minimal research, and I don't have my computer in front of me because it's in front of me recording things, and I can't move it. That's right. We're together again. Yes, we are in the same room. So the chemistry is palpable. Right. <laughs> or at least there's fewer weird delays uh, while we wait for the other one to talk. Yeah, usually the delays get taken out, though. I thought you wanted me to stop drawing attention to your editing. <laughs> Whatever, okay? I contain multitudes, the Walt Whitman quote. Anyway, it appears as though this was the fourth Muppet film, theatrical Muppet feature. It was the first one without Jim Henson or another guy who I guess was pivotal that I don't... Brian something? No, Brian Henson's his son who oh, directed yeah. the film, which I thought was kind of neat. But so yeah, it was the fourth one. It's an adaptation of Charles Dickens' classic uh, novel, The Christmas Carol. The Christmas Carol, I think is what it is, technically. Some article. Some, yeah, <laughs> some word before Christmas and Carol. And Christmas Carol. And Christmas Carol. Yeah, so it follows that. It's got the Muppets. It's got some hijinks. Um... Let's get into it. Elliot, first thoughts on the film? I liked it. <laughs> Back to you, Nathan. Oh, good deal. Um, I liked it as well. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. <laughs> oh, perfect. No, I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I think that everyone on Earth is probably familiar with the basic plot structure of this movie. Yeah. Uh, this story, that is. Of Scrooge being a be a being a being a Scrooge in the first bits, and then being reformed after a visit from the three ghosts of Christmas, um, you know, time periods, past, present, past, present, and yet to come. The first one is uh, a little like candle child. The second one is basically Santa, and the third one is death. These are all, this is all part of not just Christmas iconography, but like cultural iconography. Yeah. And I think that it's just really well told here. Um, a big part of that is down to, I think, Michael Caine playing Scrooge. Uh, he famously decided that he, he would play Scrooge completely straight. He wouldn't, uh, he would play it as if he was in like a, a prestigious stage play rather than a Muppet movie. And I think that it really works to ground the movie's sillier elements in a story that is fairly compelling and has a lot of interesting and dynamic things going on. I, I also, I'm a sucker for a good redemption story, I have to admit. Yeah. Well, and I... I told you when we were talking about this, when we both discovered we had seen it, uh, that it really made me want to read the book. And I think the reason for that is that Michael Caine brings all of the depth that I'm assuming the book has about what is kind of going on in Scrooge to the film, even though it's being narrated by a rat and whatever in the world Gonzo's supposed to, an <laughs> anteater thing. Yeah, something with a long nose. Maybe an armadillo. Yeah, I have, I don't know. 
Gonzo the Great. A Great. Gonzo the Great. Yeah. A Great. A Great. And here we see uh, the majestic Great in its natural habitat. That was my impression that you would add in the world. <laughs> um, but anyway, back to the movie. I, I agree with you. I really enjoyed it. I feel like everyone who sees this movie is impressed by how hard Michael Caine is bringing it. <laughs> I mean, I knew that my, I had seen people talking about Michael Caine's performance in this, so I knew that he was not going to be phoning it in. But I think that when the Marley brothers show up, when the hecklers show up, Gosh, was the first I, scene I where I was... the hecklers so much. <laughs> It was the first scene where I was like, wow, he's like trying, trying. Like, he's not just not phoning it in. Like, this is a better performance than a lot of other actors give in, like, Fablemans. That was a better performance than some of the people in Fablemans, I thought. Dang. Paul Dano, eat your heart out. Not Paul Dano. Paul Dano's doing a great job. <laughs> I love Paul Dano. <laughs> but yeah, it was really, really good. So let's, uh, let's maybe, let's drill down into the narrative here a bit. <laughs> Uh, let's start. What did you think of Gonzo and Rizzo? So Gonzo the Great and Rizzo the Rat are narrating the movie. Gonzo is ostensibly well, playing Charles Dickens. Yeah, Gonzo's narrating it. Rizzo's just there to to comment on the proceedings. Yeah, and so I'd say this is probably the biggest non-novel part of the film. So what did you think of Gonzo and Rizzo? They were fun? <laughs> what are you expecting me to say here? I mean, I like Gonzo. I don't think I had ever seen Rizzo before. Yeah. Um, I was just w wondering, do you think it got annoying? Because I was really oh. impressed that it didn't. That it was never like, oh, great, we have to go back to Gonzo and Rizzo here. That No, I thought that they were... I liked their uh, dynamic. I liked the pratfalls that they got up to. Um... I especially liked when uh, Rizzo fell into the water and became uh, an icicle for a bit, and he had to smash it. Gonzo had to break him open by smashing him on the, the barrel. I thought that was funny. Yeah, I liked them. I liked, I really liked how Gonzo, or Charles Dickens, would usually, I'm, I guess I'm assuming, I have not read this book. I've never actually read any Charles Dickens, although I do want to. Um, he would use direct quotes from the book, which I I just really appreciate because the prose was very skillful and there were a lot of really neat turns of phrase. So yeah, I liked them. Uh, that one of my favorite jokes in this movie came from their little interludes when Rizzo jumps off the fence to get over it after much chagrin and then he forgets something on the other side so he walks back through the bars <laughs> well my my personal favorite gag was that how they kept sit, standing on the windowsill and then getting knocked off when mm -hmm. like a force would open the window and then at the end they're on it and rizzo's like are we gonna get knocked off again and god's like of course not he's better now it's fine and, and he throws open <laughs> the windows to talk to the, the child or whatever. Um, so yeah, I agree. I, I was impressed because sometimes in kids movies, I think Gonzo and Rizzo are pretty obviously the things supposed to be right. Keeping the kids more interested because 
the kids aren't going to be as into Ebenezer Scrooge's redemption story as they are a silly Gonzo and Rizzo hijinks. And so sometimes when movies have stuff like that, it can kind of annoy you when you're an adult watching it. But I, yeah, I was very entertained. And just in general, I never felt like the Muppet hijinks were so hijinky so as to uh, reduce what I thought was the emotional depth that Michael Caine was bringing to the movie. Yeah. Which is a really pretentious thing to say about a, a Muppets film, I think. Well, it's a Muppets film adapting a very pretentious story. Well, not a very pretentious story. It's it's just, it's a, it's a classic of, what, 18th? No, 19th century literature. Yeah. It's an old book. It's an old book. What did you think of the songs? Because I have to say that they were probably the weakest part of this movie. I didn't dislike them, but I there were none of them that I found really super catchy or super or that delivered really necessary information. And I was always kind of like, uh, can we just get back to Michael Caine's acting and him playing off the different Muppets? Um, yeah, and I think this is probably where my main critique of the film is, is for a movie that's only like an hour and a half. Hour, it's like 86 minutes. Yeah, hour and 40 minutes. Uh, yeah, the songs drag. I think specifically the song where the ghost of Christmas present shows up and sings a song about Christmas. It's a neat song, and it's cool to see, right, Scrooge is kind of starting to get into the Christmas spirit a bit more via the song. But it is, I, none of the songs were all that good. They weren't all that catchy. I think my favorite was probably the one at the beginning when they're singing about Scrooge. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, like, oh, he's such a Scrooge or whatever. I found that one kind of funny. But um, most of the other ones, yeah, weren't funny or... I mean, and a lot of them weren't trying to be funny, but they both weren't funny and they weren't, yeah, very good. And so it wasn't very entertaining. Yeah, my favorite was probably Marley and Marley just because I really, really <laughs> like the hecklers. Marley. Yeah, it's probably the only one I can stop singing. Two, that's two a or... that's a bad idea, man. Um, no, I like the Marley and Marley ones. Was... We couldn't remember the names of the hecklers. I'm pretty sure it's Waldorf and Sands Sanderson. I don't know. They don't say each other's names very often. No, they don't. I've always yeah, I've always also loved the hecklers just as a concept of having hecklers heckle the show you're making mm -hmm. i find that very funny and then i've always as someone who does heckle things i've always thought of myself as a bit of a a bit of a heckler <laughs> I, I mean you're old and crotchety but that's where the similarity ends. <laughs> yeah speaking of the songs though did you because i realized this after so when the ghost of christmas past takes him to see his fiance breaking up with him right mm -hmm. there's a song that's cut there yeah did you watch the song i did not really i paused the movie because as i was watching the movie i was looking at stuff and i saw someone say like just pay attention i was paying attention but they um they i saw people saying about this cut song so when that scene got there. I paused the film, watched the song on YouTube, and then continued the film. Mm -hmm. So how was it? 
it was a pretty good song, and I thought it added to the emotional beat of that moment. I mean, that, that scene feels like definitely that. feels like something's missing. It's a pretty, I would say it's a pretty clunky edit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you watch the, it kind of has, I mean, there's no better way to edit it based on the footage they had. Mm-hmm. Without, like, reshooting it, but that's expensive yes. and time-consuming. Yeah. I guess in terms of technical qualities, I would also like to say that I think this Muppet movie and most Muppet movies, just by the mere fact that they have to right, have so many puppets, bumpets going on, it's a real technical achievement, I think. There's a lot of shots with a lot of people and a lot of Muppets and a lot of stuff going on that I can't imagine was very easy and... I really liked the the opening shot of the movie as the credits run is over like a mini town and then they pan down and cut to an actual set. But it's done so it's like a seamless thing, which I thought was really cool. Well, what's interesting is that I noticed in the credits there were different credits for operators of animatronic puppets and regular puppets. Mm. And I would really like to know which ones were the animatronic ones or if maybe that maybe animatronic is being used in a different sense than what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Because I'm I'm reasonably certain that, like, say, the ghost of Christmas present is just a guy in a costume. And same with the ghost of Christmas yet to come. But, like, mm-hmm. I could see how maybe the ghost of Christmas past was an animatronic because the way that they achieved her effect was... They filmed a puppet suspended in water and then, um, like, superimposed it onto on top of the film. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be interested to see, like, the making of this movie. Because it is, it is very impressive. Yeah. And speaking of which, I really like the way this movie looks. I really like the set design. Yeah. Because it's clearly a set. Because it's trying to look like a play, I think. Like a theatrical production. And it just has a really nice sort of homey feel. Yes, well, and the costume design is really nice. And yeah, it really gives you the Christmassy. This was, I've seen parts of the Bill Murray adaptation of uh, the Christmas, Christmas Carol, Scrooged. And I've seen, we watched that Mr. Magoo's A Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I've obviously seen quite a few things, right, parody A Christmas Carol or do an approximation of it. But this was really the first time I was like, man, there's a lot, there's a lot going on here. Like, it really, it's a really impressive thing. And it does something I really love in literature, where it's, it's showing a great deal of compassion towards people that people, that other people might not display that much compassion towards. Mm-hmm. That for as many of his faults that he has, the both the movie and I'm assuming the book has a great deal of compassion. That they're like, well, he's really just an incredibly lonely and sad man, and well, yeah, it's I mean, coming out in a very negative way. It's it's just like this is why I'm going to recommend Banshees of Inisherin for this movie <laughs> because <laughs> it's about the same principle of hurt people hurt people. Yeah, I'm not actually. Gonna you should see Banshees. You should though. see. You should just see, see Banshees just because. Yeah. No, I I agree. And so I think the fact that a movie with right eighty percent of the cast being made up of puppets—they're not puppets, they're Muppets. Whatever can be Muppets. 
and still bring forth like there were some times that I was kind of feeling some emotion. I was kind of I was like, dang, this has kind of got me bummed. Well, I I really liked the last scene with the ghost of Christmas yet to come when he's when he finds his gravestone. Scrooge finds his gravestone. Yeah. Uh, a Michael Caine is killing it, and B he's just like it doesn't it 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 definitely feels like it's not coming from a place of I don't want to die. It's coming from a place of like I, I want to do something. I want to do something with this new with this new lease on life that I've discovered. I want to I want to be better. Yes. It's the crucial difference that it's not I don't want to die. It's that I he wants to live. He wants to do something. And I had always thought it was weird in other versions I had seen that it appeared as though Scrooge just like the appear seeing his grave was what caused the change in him and I was always like he knew he was going to die, right? Like <laughs> he's aware that that's how what happens to people. But I thought this movie did a really good job of showing that it's not that he doesn't want to die. It's that he sees the contrast between Cratchit's family's reaction to Tiny Tim dying and the city's reaction to him dying. That it was, you know, he could see how in death he was only going to be remembered as a miserly, unpleasant person that everyone's happy is dead. Whereas Tiny Tim, with the small amount of you know, time he was on Earth caused such a profound impact on his family when he left. And so Scrooge was like, I, you know, I want to do something good. Although I will say, I thought this was weird when he goes to Cratchit's house when he's before. Yeah. And he does a whole bit where he's like, I'm going to fire you. <laughs> what was that? That's, that's a bit, that seems a bit unnecessary. Maybe it's in the book, but I was like, that's so mean. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was a bit much. Well, I... <laughs> we've already been talking about it, but my favorite section of this story is definitely the section with uh, the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Mm. Because I think it does a really good job of tying everything up. And also, I thought that the cinematography like weirdly stepped it up in this <laughs> section. I'm thinking specifically of when he's listening to the three... Or is it four? He's listening to the pigs talk about yeah. him being dead. And there's a shot like really close up in between two of the pigs. So you can kind of see them moving around in the extreme foreground. But you can also see Scrooge looking fairly concerned a bit of a, a ways off. And I was like, wow, that's a very artful composition. <laughs> and yeah, the, the same thing. There was a similar shot when he's looking into the weird little nook where the tarantula is <laughs> stealing his stuff to sell on the black market or something. I don't know. That was, that was fairly grim. Uh, yeah, I, it was weird. It was, it was good. I liked it, but there was nothing else really like that in the movie. So did you notice that? Or what did you think about the cinematography in general? I also thought it was really good. We've talked about how much I dislike Dutch angles, but when Scrooge first appears, actually, I feel like we've talked more about exceptions to that rule than we have that rule. Well, we haven't seen the movies where it really annoys me. It's like Twilight. Um, I It annoyed me in Steve Jobs. Power Rangers. <laughs> Power Rangers. Um, but when Scrooge first shows up, there's like a noticeable change. It's much darker. The set is right, not lit as brightly. And then there's all these Dutch angles, which is silly, but I understand the point of them. 
so no, I thought all the way through, I thought the cinematography was really neat. And I thought the special effects were pretty impressive. The, the effects of like him going to the past with the ghost of Christmas past and stuff like uh, the Marleys, the hecklers showing up and them being, you know, translucent and then appearing to be on the same frame or in the same shot as Scrooge, even though they right, weren't because they were filmed separately and then superimposed. We're assuming he didn't work on this film. But no, I thought, I again, just like I said with the technical elements, the cinematography, very impressive throughout. Way more impressive than I would expect in a movie with Muppets. There's only one Marley in the book, right? Uh, yeah, it's just his partner. Mm-hmm. Marley. They just had two of them. They had Hecklers. Yeah, they changed a couple of things, obviously. The only other adaptation of the story that I can remember seeing is the bizarre Robert Zemeckis one. You saw that? Yeah, with Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey? Yeah, he he plays Scrooge. I didn't know that who played Scrooge. Gary Oldman plays um, Jacob Marley and Bob Cratchit for some reason. Wow. Yeah. That one's not very good. (laughs) I did not like it. Yeah, well... That one's definitely... I, I mean... The last section is absolutely terrifying. I, I, and I definitely feel like that one is more like Scrooge just, just being. I don't want to do that again. So, <laughs> just being traumatized. Yeah. Speaking of which, I, I did see somebody in like a review of this movie talk about their frustration with the way that Scrooge, I guess, tries to live out his new outlook. Because they felt like he was trying to buy redemption by giving money to these charities and giving money to um, Cratchit. I'm not 100% sure what they were looking for. Like, maybe he should have... Maybe stop being a moneylender, but I don't know. Or stop practicing predatory money lending. I don't know. I I don't agree. I think that he was I think that he was doing the 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 most immediate thing available to him is to share his resources and I don't think it makes much sense to I don't think it makes much sense to assume that that's the only thing he's going to do or that that's what he's even trying to do that he's that this is a disingenuous kind of act of goodwill that he's trying to buy redemption. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't. Well, that sounds like, sounds like that person's just being a bit of a Scrooge. Well, I will, I will. I've told my family this, so I'll say it in the podcast as well. I think our habit oh, of great. calling, Elliot's also heard this already. I think our habit of calling everyone who doesn't like Christmas a Scrooge is a little mean-spirited because Scrooge was like a genuinely bad human being. Like his... He wasn't a Scrooge because he didn't like Christmas. He was a Scrooge because he was a, a horrendous person. So I thought you were going to say something else. That's fine. Yeah, I I agree. His dislike of Christmas was kind of downhill, downstream from his real problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, and to your point about, or your the person you saw his point about Scrooge's redemption, that I always find it interesting with movies like this that have such a dramatic transformation at the tail end of it that I'm always like, ah, is it going to stick? 
which I'm trying to think now of movies that kind of take place after a redemption or show a person trying to do... I can't think of any. Barry? Sort of, yeah. Everybody watch Barry. Yeah, Barry is one of those movies that or shows that does follow someone post what you would think of as a redemption. Which I've always found interesting. All right, well, got any other thoughts, Elliot? I don't know. Who's your favorite Muppet? <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying. We're trying to. We're, we're trying to pad time here. I don't. Whatever. Who's your favorite Muppet? <laughs> Well, in this movie, I mean, I've always loved Kermit. I've always felt like Kermit's energy of uh, desperately trying to wrangle all of these ridiculous personalities. I've always found that very funny, as well as very relatable. I've always wished... Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I've always wished my arms were as malleable as his, so I could do his... (laughs) Elliot's laughing. I'm doing the Kermit. He's doing the Kermit arms. As well as his limited articulation can <laughs> imitate. Yeah. Yeah. So I've always, I, and we've already said we like the hecklers, but I've always, I've always had a soft spot for Kermit. I think he's love him so far. an icon of, you know, the culture. I really like the penguins. Really? Yeah, they're, they're fun. I like Miss Piggy. You know, I know that her wow. thing is that she's sort of ditzy and she's sort of... She, She's sort of a diva, but I don't know. I think I think it works. It, I think it's it's funny, and I really like the way she plays off of Kermit. Yeah, but I also like Ralph uh, and <laughs> Fozzie. I like all of them. Ralph's not in this movie, is he? He is. He's in one shot. He's playing the piano at um, Fozzie Wigs. Fozzie Wigs party. And I did know. So Jim Henson played Kermit, but his favorite Muppet to play was Ralph. So really? the reason that Ralph, the reason that he doesn't figure very prominently into this one is because at this time, I believe they were thinking about retiring the character. They didn't oh. do that. They eventually did recast him, but for the moment, they were sort of letting him lie out of, out of respect. Because this this movie was made fairly shortly after he died, right? I would imagine so. It, it ends with a for Jim and for you know, the other guy. Mm-hmm. Downer ending there. <laughs> well, I, I like all of them. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into ratings then. You know, we didn't have a ton. To be fair, it's a short movie. It is. It's you a know, short movie. Eighty six minutes, hour and twenty. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. If you're trying to watch it, if all of our talking about it has made you want to watch it, we always plug our corporate sponsors. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you, Disney, for paying us to say nice things about you. Once again, if any companies have not heard, we are willing to sell out for almost any amount of money. Our price is highly negotiable. <laughs> yes. We'll, we prefer $10,000, but we can be talked down to under a hundred. <laughs> we could be talked down for like a month of free movie tickets. Honestly, yeah. I go to a lot of movies in a month. I could do that. I would go to more movies in a month if I had free tickets. I have expenses. Yeah. So if any business executives are listening. So anyway, Elliot, final thoughts, rating on the film. Final thoughts. This is a great story. Really well told here. Uh, perfect, perfectly done, I think, to make it palatable for, for children. Although 
That's a theory of mine because I didn't watch it as a child. I watched it as a 21-year-old man. <clears throat> but yeah, I really liked it. I love the Muppets. I love Michael Caine. I feel like we didn't even talk enough about how good he was in this movie, but he really was He's fantastic. Really and yeah, this is just a story that I really like. It also made me want to read the book. I'm probably going to do that at some point. The songs were a bit mid-tier, especially for Muppets. Um, I love the songs in the Muppet movie, the one that came out recently. Um, and then we don't need to talk about the Muppets most wanted. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Don't really have any major complaints, so I'm going to give this one a good, strong A-. minus. Mm. All right, well, I feel, yeah, pretty much the same as you, Elliot. I'm glad we got to review a movie we enjoyed. I feel like we kind of had a string of films that we were a little mid on. What did we do last week? Because I quiet on the list. Right, yeah, yeah, I was going to say I recommended a, a Kubrick movie for that. Yeah. Anywho. We'll cut this bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. I had a lot of fun. Uh, just like Elliot, I think the songs were not great and hurt kind of the pacing of some of the moments a bit. But otherwise, yeah, I had a lot of fun. It's like a 7.9, 7.8 for me. I always give two numbers. <laughs> for options. <laughs> for options. Want to take this one? Want to take a high one? Want to take a low one? Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, so I really enjoyed it. On to recommendations. We're just going to, firstly, we're trying to, we're going to recommend Christmas movies. Uh, we tried to recommend, or we're trying to recommend Christmas movies that you maybe haven't heard of. Our family has watched an obscene number of Christmas movies, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Uh, not all of them that good. <laughs> but uh, we're going to try and give some of the, I don't like using the term hidden gems, because both of these movies are, you know, Made. Very well regarded. Yeah, it wasn't made by a child in a tool shed. But I just wanted to real quick shout out uh, It's a Wonderful Life, which is my favorite Christmas movie and one of my favorite movies of all time. But I'm assuming everyone's heard of it. If you haven't, uh, watch It's a Wonderful Life. Anyway, Elliot, what's your... Merry uh, Christmas, Mr. Gower! That's my impression of Jimmy Stewart. That was a pretty good impression of Jimmy Stewart in that specific scene. I know. It's easy It's easy to do impressions of people when they're shouting, I feel like. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, um, Elliot, what is your recommendation? I actually was just thinking that the star, that VeggieTales, the star of Christmas is kind of similar to this movie, although not, I don't think it's as good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can watch that one if you want to. Uh, I do have a soft spot for VeggieTales because I watched it growing up. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I, I was actually trying to think of another movie that wasn't necessarily a Christmas movie, but that was just similar to this movie. But it's hard to think of redemption stories from kids' movies, except for absolute trash like Despicable Me or Megamind. Ugh, I hate those movies. So eventually I just went with the easy one. Uh, my recommendation is Arthur Christmas. Uh, it's a Christmas movie. It's one of those movies that tries to explain how Santa Claus does what he does. Um, it's not believable at all because it doesn't make any sense, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, it's very like, <laughs> it's like the North Pole has a kind of military industrial complex thing going on in this movie, <laughs> which is kind of terrifying, but it's funny. No, this movie's absolutely hilarious. Uh, it's got some great lines. I'm not going to quote any here because I, I legitimately don't want to ruin them for you if you haven't seen this movie. 
But they 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 get me every time. We just watched this fairly recently. Yeah, we watched it like two days ago. Um, it's got some real heavy hitters on the cast. My absolute favorite is Bill Nighy. He plays. Uh, so in this movie, the Santa Claus name is like a dynasty, and it it's passed down from it's it's a patriarchal institution. Uh, passed down from son to from father to son to father to son, you know that's very problematic. <laughs> but Bill Nighy plays uh, a a retired Santa in this, um, the grandfather of Arthur Christmas, who's the son of Santa, and he's amazing. I love his character and I love his performance. Um, oh my gosh, James McAvoy plays the main character. He does great. Everyone feels. Like, they're having a lot of fun. Nobody feel Sometimes when prestigious actors like that do movies like this, it kind of... They kind of have a sense that they're, they're like, embarrassed or uh, they don't really know how to play less serious characters. I think everyone in this movie, they're, they're really embracing the silliness. And it, it works really well. And it's very heartwarming... There is a bit of redemption here in that the the current Santa is sort of sort of a jerk. Um, <laughs> he's not a great dad, and it's just a really sweet, really funny story. It's <laughs> it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. I don't know if I like it more than It's a Wonderful Life. I do really like It's a Wonderful Nathan. Looks so alarmed. <laughs> you better not. Okay, well then I won't comment. But yeah, great movie, great Christmas movie. Get it watched. Yep, I agree. It's a great one. That's one I can't remember why we watched it for the first time, but we Mom just finds these things and she she makes us watch them and we see what we think. Yeah. And I agree. It's very good. It's got a really nice emotional heart to the story, kind of a father-son sort of story. Um so I re I really enjoy that. I would second that. Uh this next one is maybe I I think more well known than Arthur Christmas. I've heard more than a couple people mention it. Uh, it's Klaus on Netflix. This was another mom that mom watched on a whim and then showed the rest of us. And it is really fantastic. It's another animated movie. It's another kind of new spin on Santa Claus or Santa Claus. Or Santa Claus origin story. Yes, it's a Santa Claus origin story. And it's it's just really fantastic. It's got Jason Schwartzman as the main character, who is not Klaus, who's some rich jerk. And I love Jason Schwartzman. He's super funny. Uh, Norm MacDonald, rest in peace, plays one of the characters in this movie. What does he play? He plays a boat ferryman. Really? Yes. Huh. Yeah, it was like one of his last roles. That's interesting. Yeah, and then uh, J.K. Simmons plays Klaus. Love J.K. You know, Simmons. he's a really fantastic. And the movie is just, it's a lot of fun. It's really funny. It's just a really charming story about, you know, the Christmas spirit. And it's a really, when you've seen as many Christmas movies as we have, uh, it's always fun to see something approach, approach it with a lot of originality and a lot of uh, creativity, which I think this movie does. As well as I think the animation is really cool, really well done, that it's not trying to be photorealistic. So all of the characters have a really nice animated quality that they don't look anything like a real human being ever could. 
And yeah, it's just really fun. It's really heartwarming. Uh, it's the kind of movie, it, you know, it's a cake of all icing is the sort of movie this is. <laughs> you know, you'll enjoy it, but if, if you're a real buddy-duddy, you'd be like, there's not much, you know, but whatever. It's really good. I'd recommend it. <laughs> that is a good movie. I'm glad that you mentioned its animation style. I, I do think that if there's anything that Pixar can be knocked for, it's creating a very homogenous animation style across animated movies. So I really like a good creative approach that you see in like Into the Spider-Verse or Klaus or I didn't actually watch this movie, but I really liked the look of Wolf Walkers. I know that you really dislike that movie. I don't really dislike it. I just think it's a little overrated. Um, anyway, anywho. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yep. <laughs> that, that's that's it for us today. That's it for us. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve, uh, and then there's Christmas. We hear... <laughs> what are you laughing about? Well, just the way you said it, you're like, Christmas Eve. The Christmas. Then Christmas. <laughs> they have to ruin Christmas Eve by sticking it next to Christmas. Good Lord. Don't even get me started on New Year's Eve and then New Year's. Anyway, we here at... Magellan's at the movies wish you a Merry Christmas. But we also wish that you would understand life is hard and full of disappointments. Great. Really good to get that in there. I have to. I, I'm I'm in too deep now. <laughs> You've said it too many times. We can't we can't abort that. Uh, we can't get rid of that. We need to put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, we're It'll sell millions. Yeah, we're working on t-shirts. We'll surely, yeah, we'll keep you posted on that. It's kind of the duality of man, you know. Christmas time, life is hard and full of disappointments. They don't really go together. All right. But we hope you have a fantastic Christmas. We'll be back next week with our New Year's episode. Yeah, last week I tried to say that we were going to have just two more episodes, and then Nathan was like, oh, actually, there's another week in between. But no, I was right, and our next episode is going to be the year in review. Yep. So look forward to that if you have not watched any movies this year. We will be coming to you and telling you which movies you should. And should not. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll add a should not section. I'm definitely going to talk about movies <laughs> that I disliked. Oh, okay. So, Elliot, always, always. Lightyear is going oh, to feel man. my wrath. That's a bummer. Uh, but, yeah, so look forward to that. We hope you have a Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year, I guess. You guess? I don't know. I'm, they're not in control of it. <laughs>